Welcome to Missionary Talks, where we talk with missionaries and learn about their lives and work. Today on Missionary Talks, I'm talking with Tony and Laura Macias. They are missionaries working with MAF. Tony, can you tell us a little bit about uh, yourselves and how you got to, to where you are today? Sure. Well, good morning, David, or good afternoon in Argentina. Um, the way it started for me entering missions really was by being introduced to short-term missions opportunities at the church that we had been attending for a number of years. And our oldest son uh, took the first short-term trip for the family, and he went to Santiago, Chile. And he came back from that trip changed, and he came back with many stories to share on how God was working in the world. And that just began a process of us looking for opportunities to go on short-term trips ourselves. And my very first short-term trip living in Southern California was to Mexico. Our church had a relationship with an orphanage down in Rosarito, and I went down there for 10 days. And at the end of those 10 days, as we're coming back, uh, just a group of guys doing a construction project, as we entered the United States through Tijuana, um, I just started feeling a tugging at my heart by the Holy Spirit uh, that um, I was just doing something that was greater than myself, something that had eternal value. And from there, I just continued to take short-term trips um, I'd been a public school teacher for 17 years up until this past August, and through those short-term trips, um, I had opportunities to see how God was just working in uh, so many different places in the world, and we just continued uh, pursuing those trips, and those trips just started um, a purposeful pursuit of looking for more opportunities in the summer when we weren't teaching to go to as many places as we could to, to see how God worked beyond the part of the, the country where we lived. Laura, can you tell us a little bit about how you and I got connected, how we got connected here through Missionary Talks? Uh, yes, we had just returned um, from a, um, a four-week missions trip to a closed country in North Africa. And uh, coming back from that trip, uh, we were a changed couple and a changed family, having been exposed to the persecuted church there in uh, North Africa. We returned back, and it, we uttered a prayer, and we asked God to, if he, if he had something else in store for us, to reveal himself and to reveal his plans as he saw fit, because we realized after seeing the persecuted church and seeing our brothers and sisters having such a strong faith uh, despite um, such strong persecution that um, we needed to make prayers that were similar to theirs. And their prayers were God-centered. Um, we, so we came back and um, we, as always, uh, listened to your show. It was in February of 2008 where you had uh, Brad Rhodes with MAF Learning Technologies and in that interview, um, it just seemed peculiar to me that he was speaking about missionary service, not that of a church planter or a Bible translator or any of that, but he was combining both education and technology. I was really um, excited to hear about it, um, and I remember going over to my husband's classroom on that day and saying, 
you've got to listen to this one particular podcast today. I think there's something there that might apply to us. Well, shortly thereafter, about a month later, we went to a missions conference in Downey, California. And it was uh, Downey Baptist Church held a, a missions conference, and there were many booths there and different uh, missions agencies. And when we saw the one that said MAF, well, we went right to it, and we spoke with the recruiter. And uh, it was there that really um, the Lord began to work and to reveal his plans uh, step by step. Very good. And that interview with Brad Rhodes was uh, interview number 43 on Missionary Talks. And then later I interviewed Brad again uh, for episode 76, and Brad told me the story. Uh, Y'all had contacted me once before on email, and then Brad told me a little bit more information about the story. So it's exciting to see that uh, the Lord is is using y'all uh, to work with Brad now. Uh, tell tell us about um, MAF and what specifically you'll be doing through the ministry there. Okay, well, MAF, as many people who are familiar with them, um, is it primarily when it first started 65 years ago, of all places in the city of Fullerton, California, at the local municipal airport where we happen to currently live, um, they started off with a couple of World War II pilots who, at, towards the end of World War II, began to pray very deliberate prayers on how the Lord could use their skills as aviators for kingdom work. And after a season of prayer, the Lord revealed to them that there were some very geographically remote places in the world where the gospel of Christ was not accessible except through aviation. So from there, uh, many people have always associated MAF with the airplane. But about 10 years ago, MAF Learning Technologies um, came to be. And the purpose of Learning Technologies is simply to provide access to biblical resources and theological training for pastors in isolated churches that face very unique barriers. And the three barriers that we've identified are geographic barriers, the barrier of cost, and security issues. Um, many of the church leaders that we have working relationships live in security-sensitive countries where it's very difficult to get biblical training because of the nature of the, the government. So Learning Technologies was developed to use distance learning and modern computer technologies, cell phone technologies, as a delivery system or a tool to provide access to the tremendous amount of resources that we have here in the West to equip pastors in these remote places of the world so that they can grow in their ability to disciple and pastor the churches that don't have any access to training or healthy biblical resources. My role will be to be a bridge between the guys on the Learning Technologies team that are our tool guys, the guys that are the computer programmers, the software developers, the hardware developers, and the pastors in these remote places where we partner with. So what I would do in my role as a Learning Technology Specialist is I would assess the educational needs and the unique barriers that these pastors and church leaders face in the developing world. 
um, after a time of assessing and determining what their unique needs are as far as their ministry and their training is concerned, with my educational background in instructional design, we, we being my um, learning technologies teammates, design instructional curriculum using computer technology as a way to provide content and curriculum in the form of training resources to these church leaders so that they can effectively shepherd their churches. Because what we've discovered is when these remote people groups are converted and accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, someone within those people groups is appointed to be a pastor. It might be the individual who seems to be the one that has the natural leadership ability. And that person is then given the responsibility as a new convert to pastor this new church. However, that individual has not been to seminary. That individual may not have a Bible. That individual may not have the proper equipping to lead and grow a healthy church. So we come in and we assess their needs, how they learn, take all that information back to our tool guys, we conference with them, uh, and they develop the tools that need to be used to deliver those resources and training, which comes through individuals like myself. We train them using our educational background on how to most effectively use what we've taken to them. Laura, what will you be doing with uh, MAF? Are, are you actually working in learning technologies as well? And kind of tell us a little bit about your ministry there. Yes, thank you. Um, I will be working in the area of orality, and it is a component of learning technologies. As an orality specialist, I will be training uh, national church leaders and missionaries in the special techniques of presenting the gospel to non-literate and oral learners. And because we know that most people in isolated and remote places in the world are oral learners, we use oral training techniques for Christian education among non-literate people groups. Uh, we have, um, MAF has partnered with God Story, the God Story Project, to train church leaders in the orality method of sharing the gospel. Um, for example, we'll be able to, uh, in the God Story Project, um, tell the story of the Bible from Genesis to, from Genesis to Revelation using oral, um, oral techniques that are very common and useful and effective in oral cultures. How does that actually work out? Will you be telling stories to uh, the listeners, or are you going to be training other people in how to explain the Bible to, to unreached peoples? Um, actually, both. Uh, we know that... Um, for example, the God Story Project uh, for, with uh, many of the oral cultures, when we want to introduce um, uh, our faith, our Christian faith, it's more advantageous that we start from the very beginning than if we were to start, for example, uh, in, the, in the Gospels or in the, in the New Testament. So we share the story of the Bible going from the very beginning of God the Creator all the way to the end of Revelation. When we use something like simply the story, it's, it's really it's, it's a neat way of being able to use um, uh, the, the method in which Jesus uh, taught and using stories, for example, like the parables that create discussion and application so that something like, um, like the story of the Good Samaritan, which applies to any, to any culture, um, whether it's an oral culture or a literate culture, 
they can identify with that story. But through the simply the story method, it's a way of creating discussion so that you don't need anything except the, the oral word. You, you talk about literate cultures and oral cultures. Is this effective with literate cultures as well? Uh, yes, we believe so. We, we see that uh, very often because uh, most people, when they want to, for example, program something, remember the days of um, using your VCR, very few folks would get out a manual and, and read the manual to see, okay, how do you hook this up and how do you do it? Most of most people um, are told this is how you plug in and play. This is how you use a VCR or a BED player. So we find that, um, that something like God's Story Project and definitely the, simply the Story Project or just orality in itself, yes, it's advantageous for oral, uh, for oral cultures, but certainly in today's age, uh, more people are are oral than they are literate. More people, uh, you tend to see people not reading manuals, but being told, well, hey, listen, how do I, how do I work this uh, cell phone? Well, you touch this, you touch that, uh, you program it like this. Rarely do you find uh, people in, in our day and age really going to the manual um, and then figuring out how to, how to use their cell phone correctly or something to that effort. So it really is, is good for both uh, for both uh, a literate culture and a non-literate culture. You are still in the process of raising your support to get started full-time in this. Give us a timeline of what the next three or four years looks like for you. Right now, um, as far as MAF is concerned, we are called pre-field missionaries because we are on deputation, which means we are currently raising our prayer and financial team. We just finished our ninth week of deputation. And praise to God that in those nine weeks, we have already um, achieved 25.4% of our monthly support, and our outgoing one-time expense to get us to the mission field is at 10.6%. And that's just a testament to the way God has been working in the lives of the people that we have been sharing our ministry with. And those that we have not even had a chance to share the ministry with who have simply just come along through a newsletter or maybe through word of mouth from others who may have heard our presentation. Um, as far as our timeline, as soon as we reach 100%, we are going to be relocating from the home we've always known here in Southern California, and we're going to be relocating to U.S. headquarters for MAF in Nampa, Idaho. We're going to be there for about one, minimum of one year, maximum of two years to receive hands-on ministry training and team building. At the end of that time period, then we will begin the process of beginning our first term abroad, which will be in San Jose, Costa Rica. And that will be where we'll be assigned for one term, which for MAF is four years. Our first three and a half years will be on the field. Remaining six months of that first term is designated as furlough time, where we come back to headquarters, we debrief, we have a chance to reconnect with our supporting churches and our individual supporters and have some time to just relax as a family before we would then begin a second term. Do you have a story that you'd like to share with us about either the mission field or the way God has led you that uh, would be just be an encouragement to others? Well, I think one, uh, one thing we could um, definitely add would be that uh, because uh, missions and prayer go hand in hand, 
it, it became incredibly in, uh, critical for us uh, to be in deliberate prayer. And what that meant is that there would be time set aside, whether it was uh, weekly or in for prayer and fasting once a month, uh, to really seek the heart of God. And so if I could add one thing would be that anytime you feel the tug of God, anytime you feel a certain restlessness, then that's really a sign to say, Lord, what is it that you want? And what is it, Lord, that you would want from me that I don't see for myself or I feel ill-equipped? Because certainly you own the world, you created me, and you have a heart for the rest of the world. And how, how does that make sense? How, how does that look like, God? And so my, my thoughts are, if you have any type of restlessness, um, seek the heart of God in prayer. Um, do not sort of uh, whimsically go by or do not coast, but purposely find out what the Lord wants. And so I think in doing that, I, I, I think it uh, opens up what the, the Lord will do, and then you will be marbled by what he accomplishes. Do you have a website where people can get more information about you or your ministry? Yes, we do. Um, we have our blog, and from there, you can connect to our family website, to our Twitter account. It's www.messiasinmissions.blogspot.com. Very good. And Macias is M-A-C-I-A-S, macias.blogspot.com. And I'll have a link to that in the Missionary Talks show notes so that you can go to missionarytalks.com and then be able to go right there to that if you can remember one or the other. Very good. Uh, Tony and Laura, I appreciate the time you've taken to talk with us today. As we close, is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, I have a dear, dear friend of mine who's a missionary with MAF, and he's a seasoned veteran, 20-plus years, and he has just come alongside me personally to be my mentor through this entire process. And he has been speaking to me from John 15:5, which says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that is a scripture verse that as we have pretty much surrendered our lives to the Lord, and that by that I mean anything that we have, uh, in the past were able to control, um, all sense of control has been given over to our Lord Jesus, and he is the one that I have to stay plugged into each and every day, because without that, um, life would just not be possible um, the way that um, that I see it. Um, it's, it's, it's a challenge, it's exciting, but I know that I need to depend on Christ each and every day, otherwise um, it'll be impossible to accomplish anything outside of that. Um, one thing, David, that, um, that I know that I was doing in the process as the Lord was creating that restlessness in my life was that I began to read um, a, uh, just different uh, missionary biographies and um, books such as The God Smuggler, um, the biography of Gladys Aylward, or Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. Um, those books were instrumental, um, and that's, those are just to name a few, only because um, I, I was able to see that um, they were just normal people um, in love with a, with a huge God. And so that created a seed as I was reading these books that maybe, um, maybe I 
it would be okay for me to enter. I think missionary biography books are instrumental, uh, and they were certainly instrumental in my life as I pondered the thought of becoming a missionary, uh, certainly because um, their lives played out and I was able to see that God used uh, ordinary people to accomplish great things in His name. You've been listening to Missionary Talks with David Peach. Please visit us at missionarytalks.com.